all the movies, all those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Hello, hello, hello everybody and welcome to episode number 242 of the This Week in Marvel podcast. It is the official podcast of all things Marvel. Comics, games, hugs, kisses, other things that you do when you like people. Handshakes. Handshakes are all about handshakes. My name is Ben Morse. I am the editorial director of digital media here at Marvel. Agent M, Ryan Panagos, is out once again this week. He is at E3. Hopefully he's going to be bringing back plenty of cool news and secrets. But that's okay, because along with me, I've got... Josh Weiss, intern extraordinaire. How you doing today, Josh? I'm doing well, Ben. How you're are you? Dressed like you're wanting to impress. Dressed for the job you want, you know. That's right. Dressed for the job you want, not the one you deserve. <laughs> um, we've got plenty of stuff to cover here on the podcast today. I'm going to be doing it kind of solo again. So, apologies in advance for the people who like our more robust reviews of comics and whatnot. I got 20 to get through. Pretty excited. It was a pretty good week. So, you know, what? we'll get right to it. Uh, quick reminder we're brought to you by the marvel mastercard where you can get three percent off any marvel purchase one percent towards any other purchase i believe there are definitely better details that we can figure out from there but let's dive right into our comics for this week starting with all new in humans number eight written by james asmus art by stefano caselli and here we get to meet a new kind of group of inhumans the utola Utolanians. Utolanians. Um, they are uh, where Flint originally came from. Flint, of course, was looking for his parents this whole time. They found him, so now Flint and Gorgon and Anna Krivinoff have traveled to the human city of Utalon. They're meeting the people there. We get to learn their traditions, their customs. Flint gets to rebond with his family. Uh, some cool stuff going on for Gorgon. Some borderline bone zone action involving hooves. Uh, that's that's a big upsell of the comic, I think. But I've, I I love what James Asmus is doing on All New and Humans. I like that he gets into stuff like politics and uh, you know just culture and things like that and makes it really interesting. And that's definitely the case here. Uh, Anna Kravenoff finds some stuff that's probably better hidden. All is not as it seems in the Kingdom of Utalon, and hopefully by next issue we'll learn a little bit more. Over in Amazing Spider-Man number 14, written by Dan Slott with Christos Gage, art by Giuseppe Camoncoli, inks by Cam Smith, colors by Marte Gracia. It's the Regent show, man. Regent goes buck wild in this issue. He is attacking heroes left and right. He's taking out Avengers. He's taking out gods. He's getting all their powers going. Harry Osborn gets to step up and do something pretty cool. Peter Parker meets Miles Morales' parents and tries to let them know that their son's okay, which he's not, by the way, because he is a prisoner of Regent. And Tony Stark, Mary Jane, and Peter are all teaming up to go try to take Regent down. Regent is an impressive, cool character. All the powers he has, all the different things he can do, he's going to be really hard to beat. So I'm kind of hard-pressed to see how they end up foiling him, and if it's even wrong to, because he has a pretty cool, interesting viewpoint on why he does what he does. It's not, uh, it's not all cut and dry. It's not the typical villain stuff. Speaking of typical villain stuff, we have Astonishing Ant-Man number 9, written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon Rosanas. 
colors by Jordan Boyd, and Ant-Man is doing some seemingly villain stuff. He's gotten all his old foes together, and he wants them to help in a mission to rescue his daughter Cassie. We get a lot of recap, how he knows all these people. Uh, they don't get along so well. There's great banter per usual. There's good stuff between Darla and Beetle, uh, who have both been to the Bone Zone with Ant-Man. It's really, It sounds so much creepier when I'm not talking to Ryan about it. Yeah, it's... There's just a hole. Thanks so much, Josh. <laughs> just a hole. Where you go? So yeah, these guys, the uh, they, they get together. They're pulling off a heist. Uh, I love that because it harkens back to the Ant-Man movie for me. They sneak in. There is a... Let's see how many steps. 22-step plan that Machine Smith comes up with to get them into this building, the cross building, so that they can get Cassie. Uh, but what we know is that... Things don't go well for Ant-Man. We know this ends poorly for him. We know he ends up in prison. How? We still don't know. Black Widow, number four, written by Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Art by Chris Somney. Beautiful colors by Matt Wilson. Uh, beautiful issue. Uh, teeters between flashback, tinged in red, Natasha growing up in the red room, both with her instructor and her instructor's daughter, uh, then trapped in kind of the wilderness out in Russia trying to survive with some help from a friend and just the the way Chris Somney has adapted to this book making it so dark and just the large swaths of color Matt Wilson uses is really looks like nothing else you got. Um, Natasha ends up going back to the Red Room because something's been restarted. We get more cool Chris Somney details showing the action, how she breaks in, how she gets into fights with people, and old friends come back to haunt Natasha badly here. So she has gotten some information. She is on her way to try to get out of this blackmail she's been under, but some very interesting new old faces have been introduced in the pages of Black Widow. In the pages of Civil War II X-Men number one, written by Colin Bunn, art by Andrea Brocardo, we have Magneto and the Uncanny X-Men in Dubai trying to prevent something involving the Terrigen Mists, the Terrigen Mists, and some Prime Sentinels are trying to take out mutants. So Magneto and his team swing in, try to do the best they can. Storm's team shows up, and they knew what was going to happen. Why did they know it was going to happen? Well, if you've read Civil War II, you know what's going on there. So they are... Uh, the big question here is how do mutants relate to Inhumans? Magneto says, we hate Inhumans. They're destroying us. Their Terrigen is killing us. They love Terrigen. We hate Terrigen. Storm is saying, no, we're not at war with the Inhumans. They're not responsible for the Terrigen. They have something that can help us. We need to be cool with them. Uh, Magneto, unsurprisingly, is not hearing any of this. He wants to go to war with the Inhumans. Uh, this is going to be all about which X-Men choose which sides, because there's it's not civil war between the X-Men and humans, it's civil war of the X-Men. X-Men are split right in two, so we'll see who comes out ahead there. Speaking of Civil War II, Civil War II number two is out this week. It was written by Brian Michael Bendis. The art is by David Marquez. It looks great. Uh, Iron Man invades Adelan, New Adelan, and kidnaps Ulysses, which means we get Iron Man against the Inhumans. Medusa gets to step up huge. Karnak gets to step up huge. We see all the heroes interjecting themselves. We start to see this rift forming between Captain Marvel and Iron Man that we know is going to be the basis for the whole thing. It's very interesting stuff. It's very good stuff. And there's a great couple scenes of Tony interrogating Ulysses and basically 
questioning him, how can we use your power responsibly when you have biases, you must have preconceived notions that just will inform how your visions come about. So it's pretty heavy stuff, but it's also cool just to see Iron Man and Karnak punching each other. I love that. Uh, Deadpool number 14 is another Civil War II tie-in, written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Terry Pallett, colors by Jordi Belair. This is yet another look at the big New York battle, uh, this time from Deadpool's point of view. Deadpool's got the mercs for money with him. He's got the monsters from Monster Metropolis. There's a pretty funny sequence at the beginning with him and Shikla. They're basically the ultimate backup crew for... Uh, the team of heroes and Avengers and everyone who's taking on this big cosmic menace. Meanwhile, in the background, the Mercs for Money are doing their sting. They're not getting any credit for it. They're pretty pissed off. They're annoyed at Deadpool. They meet up with Cable. Cable has a great appearance in here. Ulysses has a great appearance in here. As he meets Deadpool for the first time, we get Deadpool's take when he's talking to Vision about this whole precognitive destiny thing. It's very interesting. And the Mercs for Money will take no more of what Deadpool has been dishing out for him. Guardians of Infinity, number seven, lead story by Dan Abnett, uh, written by him, and pencils by Carlo Barberi, inks by Walden Wong, colors by Israel Silva. We have the Guardians of the Galaxy of three different times, still trying to team up to escape from Hermeticus, who now has the brain of Rocket Raccoon, which helps him come up with a brilliant strategic plan to try to take them out. There's also a backup story, which is the origin of the Space Knights, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Gerardo Sandoval, Colors by Dono Sanchez Almara with Proto Bunker. Some really cool stuff laid down for some future potential stuff with the Space Knights. International Iron Man number four, another Civil War tie-in. My God, Brian Michael Bendis wrote it. Alex Malev drew it. Paul Mounts added the colors. Tony is back with one of his first loves, the girl who he thought was is one of his first loves, Cassandra Galipsy, but turned out she was actually just trying to lure him into a trap for her parents. Uh, in the very beginning, we have Tony, a little hint on what's going on with Tony and Captain Marvel. That's pretty much the Civil War of it all. This is more Tony trying to figure things out with Cassandra, both in the past, when he finds out the truth about how they met. Uh, there's some Hydra action. And then in the present tony thinks cassandra knows who his real parents are so he is going to try to get that information out of her this is you know a classic bendis issue we get a lot of exposition but it's done really well alex malove's art is gorgeous it's all good it's beautifully bleak beautifully bleak good way to describe it josh um nova number eight is you know what it is josh it's a Civil War II tie-in. Oh, you know this by oh now. Oh, joy. Uh, it's written by Sean Ryan. It is pretty cool. They're, they're doing some good tie-ins. Written by Sean Ryan. Uh, art by R.B. Silva. Inks by Adriano Di Bendetto. I hope I didn't screw that up. Colors by Andres Mossa. Now, Nova's not really picking a side. He is more just trying to get along. He Again, we have the big battle with the Cosmic Menace, and we, for not the first time, get to see the... Uh, after party where all of the Avengers and X-Men and Inhumans and everyone else get invited to Stark Tower for a big party. Uh, we already saw this in the pages of Civil War II. What Nova's a little annoyed about is that no one really seems to know who he is. He's, he's, he's a kid. He can't really get in with anyone. He tries to have a conversation with Rogue. She doesn't really care. He tries to have a conversation with Miles Morales and Jean Grey. They're telling inside jokes. He tries to have a conversation with Steve Rogers. He tells him to go away. Uh, it's kind of funny stuff. It's cool. This is like some of my favorite comic stuff is when heroes are just at like dinner parties. 
just interacting. Uh, this is part of what I love about big events. So I think that's fun. Uh, Nova's mom is really concerned about him. He's trying to reassure her that he's going to be okay. He tries to get in touch with Tony Stark. Tony Stark has gone off the grid. Uh, we know why, because we read Civil War II. And Nova is determined to find Tony Stark. Unfortunately, he runs into a roadblock in the form of Mole Monster. Is that Giganto he was on? In I believe that was Giganto. Good Good catch, intern Josh. Where do you know Giganto from? Uh, from Fantastic Four number one, 1961. Right. Very good, very good. You know your stuff. Do you know about Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat number seven? Looks very noir <laughs> It's written by Kate Leth, art by Brittany L. Williams, color artist is Megan Wilson. Uh, Jessica Jones, guest star, is big time in this issue. It's Patsy getting to the bottom, finally, of this nasty business she's had with Hetty Wolf. Jessica Jones basically says, look, Hetty hired me to try to get some dirt on you. I don't want to get any dirt on you. You're the good guy. Let's go take her down. So Jessica and Patsy team up. Uh, Brittany L. Williams' art is fantastic. It's so adorable. Uh, there's an autograph session that Patsy does where she gets to draw all sorts of cool outfits, draws all her friends. An adorable uh, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Danielle Cage moment where they come and meet with Patsy for the first time. Patsy goes all Hellcat. They investigate Hetty's apartment. They find some stuff. All of this sounds very, like, rote, like, okay, they're signing autographs, they're going to an apartment. Trust me when I say the way Kate writes it and the way Brittany draws it in particular makes it super fun. It's kind of like a private detective comic, but at the same time it's also like a romance comic or something of the day. It's, it's like nothing else we've got on the stands, and I really, really like it. I've been trying to push Patsy Walker hard, and hopefully people are uh, getting into it and giving it a chance. Another book we wanted you to give a chance is Spider-Gwen number 9, written by Jason Latour, art by Robbie Rodriguez, colors by Rico Renzi. This is kind of an epilogue to the Spider-Women crossover, as Gwen now only has a limited amount of power-ups to turn her into Spider-Gwen. She has to decide whether she'd rather do that or rather be in, you know, doing her own thing with her bandmates. Uh, some pretty cool out-on-the-town stuff. Some really inventive stuff by Robbie and Rico here. Uh, we get Spider-Gwen's version of Electro. It's not so much a villain as just kind of a weirdo. And... Again, Spider-Gwen just trying to make a decision on what's important in her life. And she runs into Frank Castle again. He knows he possibly knows her secret. We're not quite sure. She does not know if she's going to stay Spider-Woman forever. Spidey number 7, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Andre Lima Arrojo. This is a meeting between Spider-Man and the Black Panther. Spider-Man uh, is having trouble at school, or rather Peter Parker is having trouble at school, in that Gwen Stacy, who he has a crush on, wants him to tutor Flash Thompson, who may also be with Gwen Stacy. It's a little bit of a triangle there. Not really an even triangle, because Gwen doesn't know Peter's interested, so he doesn't really have much of a chance. But she wants him to tutor Flash Thompson, He's not about it, uh, goes off to have Spider-Man adventures and stops some criminals from stealing some vibranium, teams up with Black Panther. It's pretty awesome. It's a great dynamic between Panther being this wise, older figure and Spidey being this impetuous young figure. They team up. Claw is on hand, as normally happens when Black Panther shows up. You can't have Black Panther without Claw close behind. And Black Panther teaches Peter some lessons that he then tries to use in his high school situation i love spidey i think it's a great book not just for kids but for all ages just for a good classic spider-man book what kind of triangle would you say it is ben isosceles 
Very clever, Josh. You wanted to work your math knowledge in there, didn't you? There you you? go. What about hypotenuse? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. There it is. Josh Weiss, the man with the plan. Squadron Supreme number eight, written by James Robinson, art by Leonard Kirk and Paolo Villanelli, inks by Paul Neary, colors by Chris Sotomayor. We have the Inhumans and Dr. Spectrum taking out an alien group called called the Myriad. Uh, Dr. Spectrum teams up with the Inhumans. It's kind of uncomfortable for her because Black Bolt was one of the people who destroyed her world. He was also the guy who saved her life when said world was getting destroyed. We have Nighthawk fighting the original Nighthawk, or so he seems. That's not all it's cracked up to be. We get Dr. Spectrum having a very interesting meeting with Medusa. Good week for Medusa. She's all over the place. She's uh, being loud and proud. Uh, Dr. Spectrum gets a costume change. The Squadron Supreme regroups. Something's going on with Warrior Woman, and it's all leading into a Civil War II tie-in next month. Star Wars number 20, written by Jason Aaron, art by Mike Mayhew. It is another the old from the journey journal <laughs> from the journal of old Ben Kenobi. It's another flashback tale to Obi-Wan Kenobi's life. In this case, it's the first meeting between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Black Chrysanthemum, who of course is the new evil Wookiee character we've seen introduced in the modern day. We get to see him back in his prime. He is on Tatooine, where they are going after... Uh, we don't really get to see what Black Chrysanthemum's going after, but he does end up kidnapping Luke's Uncle Owen. And then there's a showdown in the desert between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Black Chrysanthemum, with Owen kind of trapped in the middle. Uh, Owen gets some nice shine here as a character who's usually just there to bitch at Obi-Wan and, you know, tell Luke to clean up his stuff. Um, and Luke has a cool moment, too. Uh, young Luke. So, very cool Star Wars comic transitioning over into another cool Star Wars comic, Star Wars Han Solo number one, written by Marjorie Liu, art by Mark Brooks, colors by Sonia Obak. It's a beautiful book. I know I say that a lot, but we have a lot of beautiful, talented people working for us. Han is in a bar trying to drown his sorrows over the fact that he you know, doesn't doesn't seem motivated anymore to take all those smuggling jobs that were doing so well for him. He gets some people get the drop on him. Turns out they work for uh, the rebels, and they want him. They want his ship. They want Han's ship, and they won't say what for. Leia and one of this general explain to him that. There are some informants they have. They need to go and rescue them. They're going to use a cover of the ship being in this big legendary race, um, the Dragon Void Run, which every anybody who's like Han, they want to race in it. They want to win it. They're like, look, we need you to loan us your ship. It's the only one that can fly fast enough. And he goes, fine, but I'm flying it. He enters this race. I think this setup is super fun. Uh, I want to read about Han Solo and Chewbacca going on an intergalactic space race with all these unsavory characters and trying to rescue people along the way. This book was a great setup, but I'm really excited for the next issue once I really dig into it. Glad to have Marjorie Liu back working on stuff again here. Did it finish the race in less than 12 parsecs? <sighs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not engaging in your Star Wars <laughs> jokes with you, intern Josh, but... I like your interjections. Appreciate it. Um, Uncanny and Humans number 10, written by Charles Soule, art by Kev Walker, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by David Curiel. This issue is a focus on Reader. We get to learn more about his powers as he 
goes after his dog, Fori, who's been possessed by the Capo. He fights a couple unsavory characters um, but and gets tied up. Things don't go well. He has to use his powers in a very unique way to save both him and Treste. I think the coolest part about Inhumans is we don't know how a lot of these new characters' powers work, so an issue where Charles really wants to cut loose and cut open on him, we get to really see some stuff. It was really neat. Uncanny X-Men number 8, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Ken Lashley, colors by Nolan Woodard. This is Psylocke against Phantom X, a battle we've seen a few times in the past, but it's always personal. They used to be in love, now they hate each other, and they just go at it. Uh, Ken Lashley draws vicious art. On the other side of things, we have uh, Emplate, a classic X-Men villain, has come back into the fray. He's going after the Morlocks. Callisto's recruited Sabretooth and Monet to try to stop him. There's some interesting moments between Sabretooth and Monet. We could see that uh, end up somewhere that I'm not going to mention because it's creepy when I mention it on my own uh, in the near future. But Psylocke discovers after her fight with Phantom X something pretty gross. It's a pretty gross issue, and Archangel is unleashed for the next issue. Vote Loki number one, written by Christopher Hastings, art by Langdon Foss, colors by Chris Chukri. Uh, this is like, you know how I said Patsy Walker is like nothing else we're putting out? Mm -hmm. This is like nothing else we're putting out because it's a full-on political comic. Uh, and it's not, don't worry, if you're not into politics, if you're not into current events, you don't have to worry about it. But basically, it's just following the fact that there's an election going on. Everyone who's in this election lies. There's some funny stuff. There's an interesting situation that forces Loki to become involved with the election. And Loki is fascinated by this. He's fascinated by the idea of politicians. He's fascinated by the idea of lies. He gets to know this reporter woman who uh, ends up being ends up being kind of his conscience here and she's kind of our point of view character so we see her we see Angela we see Loki in numerous forms just exploring politics and getting to the bottom of uh, what it means to run for office in America. It's funny. It's pretty cutting. It's, uh, it's a nice take on a subject we don't often cover in Marvel Comics. Finally, we've got Year of Marvel's The Incredible, number one. The first story is written and drawn by Yves Bigarel, colors by Andres Mosa. It's The Return of the Phoenix. It's really funny. It's this guy who works in a design firm whose name is Jean Grey, uh, G-E-N-E-G-R-A-Y. He's got all these problems. He hates superheroes. They're causing all these issues for him. But D-Man shows up fighting the White Rabbit, and he steps into the middle of it and actually ends up helping out D-Man and Spider-Man in the process. Second story in this issue, written by Dennis Culver, layouts by Jaffo, Art by Leonardo Romero, colors by Ruth Redman. It's the all-new Wolverine teaming up with She-Hulk to fight twin Wendigo girls and a crazy mad scientist. That's all I think I really need to say about that. I'd read it. Oh, boy. So that was 20 comics covered in about 20 minutes. So we went about a comic a minute. Hopefully you guys dug it. Uh, I'm going to throw out some recommendations. I am going to recommend Black Widow, Civil War II... Nova, Patsy Walker, Hellcat, and Star Wars Han Solo. I think they were all really good. If I got to pick one for my Tome of the Week, it's going to be Black Widow. Josh, what are you most excited to read? 
Han Solo for sure. He's my boy. He's your boy? You guys hang out? Yeah, all the time. That's kind of sad. Got Harrison Ford on speed dial. Oh, man. This is this is getting worse and worse for you. <laughs> uh, collections on sale this week. Hawkeye Volume 6, Hawkeyes, Marvel Masterworks, The Avengers Volume 16 in hardcover, Spidey All-New Marvel Treasury Edition, and Squadron Supreme Volume 1 by any means necessary. Newly added to Marvel Unlimited this week, we've got a whole bunch of Spider-Man stuff, which I'll get into in a sec, but we've also got All-New Inhumans number 2, All-New X-Men number 2, Amazing Spider-Man number 1.1, Amazing Spider-Man Super Special number 1, part of the Planet of the Symbiotes arc, Astonishing Tales number 8, Daredevil Deadpool Annual number 1, Darth Vader Annual number 1, Deadpool number 3.1 with Massacre, Guardians of the Galaxy number 3, Gwenpool Special number one, that one's really good, check that out. Hercules number two, Illuminati number two, Kanan number nine, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble season two number 14, Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy number three, New Warriors number 61 through 64, more 90s Spider-Man goodness, Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man number 217 and 225 through 229, Scarlet Witch number one, Secret Wars number eight, the big penultimate issue, Spectacular Spider-Man Super Special number one, more of that Planet of the Symbiotes goodness. Spider-Gwen number three. Spider-Man number 51 and 52, starring Scarlet Spider. Spider-Man Super Special number one. Spider-Man Team-Up number one from the 90s. Spider-Man Unlimited number seven through eight and number 10. Spider-Man 2099 number four. Star Wars Annual number one. Ultimates number two. Uncanny Avengers number three. And Wolverine Road to Hell number one. Let's talk news! And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News! Okay, big comic news this week revolves around Spider-Man. Spider-Man's Dead No More event is Dead No More No More. We are releasing the actual title of the event, which is going to tell you guys exactly what it's about. Well, somewhat what it's about, but we get some cool teasers out there right now. Uh, I don't know if it'll be out there by the time this show airs, so I'm just going to say look out for some Spidey stuff. Meanwhile, over in games, Spider-Man's kicking it there too because Spider-Man, we just announced, there's going to be a new Spider-Man console game available exclusively for PlayStation 4. It's being made in collaboration with Insomniac Studios and Sony. We have the first trailer up. It looks amazing. Did you see the trailer, Josh? I did. I actually watched it think? this morning. It all looks awesome. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Spider-Man is made for video games, the swinging, the sticking to walls, all the cool stuff he can do. And a nice thing from Bill Roseman basically explaining why we're making a Spider-Man game at this time, why we're doing it this way. Uh, I know a lot of other stuff about the Spider-Man game. I can't say any of it. But needless to say, as we ramp out details, you guys are going to love it. This is going to be a Spider-Man game like none you've ever seen before. Over on Avengers Academy, not to be outdone, they had their British Invasion event. They introduced Black Knight, Captain Britain, and Union Jack into the world of Avengers Academy. Puzzle Quest debuted Moon Knight, so you can now get him from Marvel Puzzle Quest. And uh, there's lots of stuff going on across the board. And especially in movies and TV. And for that, we go out to the West Coast, Stromy and the Wolfman. It's 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 the West Coast, baby. Yeah. Hello, This Week in Marvelites. This is... I didn't know how we were starting. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Stromy and the Wolfman shows, starring the Wolfman and Stromy and nobody else. That's a lie. It's not a lie. 
There's nobody else in the room with us, Patrick. Are you seeing people again? This, we're also joined by... Ryan Panagos, Agent M here. You can't escape me this week in Marvelites. I'm where, all over this. Where the hell did that voice come from? Hello. Ooh, uh, we are We are recording live from... Uh, E3. E3. I, I, I almost said SDCC, but no, it's not. We're not there <laughs> not yet. Not there yet. We got another six, there yet. five, four. Oh, gosh. It's happening so soon. Uh, <laughs> We're dead. Uh, I feel like... What's that kid's name from from the Incredibles? Dax. And Dash. Dash. And he's just falling. We're dead. We're dead. We're all gonna die. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're here at E3. We just announced the big Spider-Man game uh, from Insomniac Games and Sony. Uh, yeah, that was so that big news this week, and we've been holding on to that for a while. So really exciting. I'm sure Ben talked a little bit about it, but um, <coughs> we did two Facebook Lives this week with. <coughs> Pardon me, with um, Mike and Bill from Marvel Games, as well as Brian Intahar, who's the creative director for the Spider-Man title. Um, so if you guys haven't seen those, check them out on the Facebook. But you can also just keep subscribing to This Week in Marvel because we're going to have all that on the podcast in the coming weeks. Probably maybe next week. Hopefully, it's very exciting. I'm distracted by shiny comics that Ryan put on the desk here. Yep, shiny. They've got holographic covers because no we have traveled covers. back to the 90s. No, no. They just have, you know, nice glossy covers. Uh, but for us, you know, E3 wrapped it up. Um, we just had Spider-Man stuff. Very exciting. Um, I don't know. So is Ben recording his part of the podcast by himself or what's going on? Presumably. Oh, okay. All right. So we're just doing our normal bit here. Yeah. Uh, continue with your normal bit, like a professional. <laughs> are you, are you trying to get Mark to do something professionally? <laughs> I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, we honestly don't have any movie or TV news this week. Oh. So I do. Oh, Marvel's oh, you do. Tune in this Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern time on Disney XD for a brand new episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. Uh, Doc Ox up to some bad boy stuff. He's got some help. Bad boy for life. So it's like, is he rolling with? Bad boy with for life. Bam, bam. Puff dad. Bam, 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 bam. You could. I don't know if that's the real tune. Hopefully not, so we don't get. Oh started. God! No, no, no! I just made up that song. <laughs> Because I am a time traveler. Because we're back in the 90s looking at holographic covers of comic books singing Cash Money Millionaires <laughs> tunes before they've become big hits. Anyway, Doc Ock. Bad boy stuff. Scarlet Spider. Maybe some good boy stuff. <laughs> good boy stuff. That's so creepy. <laughs> hey, no. Okay, nice boy. <laughs> that does not, you're not making it any better. That How is, is it? That is like me level creepy, what you're doing right there. No, there, there is absolutely uh, no equivalent to my creepiness and your creepiness just from saying good boy stuff <laughs> versus bad boy stuff. Well, Anyways, brand new episode, Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six, this Sunday, Disney XD, 9 a.m. Do you still do stuff with Wacker? Oh, Yeah. 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 Uh, Are going to get that ramp back up now? We get some episodes up? Oh, yeah. I was out of town last Wednesday. I'm here today, which is Wednesday. Unless you're listening to this not on a Wednesday, in which case it is not Wednesday for you. 
It, he although have have you listened to his his Wagger and the Wolfman bits because they're actually mostly Wilcox and the Wolfman oh, and yeah. him and Harrison Wilcox talking about Highlander for ten minutes at a time. That's not bad. I like Highlander. Yeah. See. <laughs> Full, full, full seal of approval from Ryan Panakos, <laughs> a.k.a. Agent M. He's got some sick queen action in there. Giant swords. Uh, what's the bad guy's name? The Grundle? The Kurgle? The Kurgan. Kurgan. There Kurgan. we go. We got there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did uh, I did Queen Princess of the Universe karaoke a few weeks ago. It's nice. a really good song. Yeah. Uh, what else can we say? Uh, well, Patrick and I were out town last week. We can't say where. Some secret stuff. But we should. Uh, we got some great stuff that you will be able to hear and know more about in some time sometime in the future probably a little while but so that's that's just a major tease i just decided to just do a major tease yeah but we to be fair it's we got stuff that's exclusive to the podcast for you guys that is major that's really great stuff so keep subscribing keep rating on the itunes and wherever you listen and tell your friends tell your moms tell your dads Tell your dogs. Tell I, all the, the people. I told my mom, and she get, said, what's a potty cast? I, I can't tell if that's real or not. It's not real. If, yeah, if Mark says it, it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> if it's an anecdote Mark tells, no, it is not a real one. Um, but yes, yes, like Ryan said, it is some very cool stuff. You will have to wait a while before you can listen to it. But once you do, hopefully uh, you will agree with us that it was worth the wait. Um yeah, I don't know. I think that pretty much covers everything. Anything else you want to say about E3 and Spider-Man? And I know I'm excited for this. Yeah, the game's great. Um, looking from what we've shown and what we haven't shown, which I've seen a lot of, looking really good. Um, yeah, that's about it. And remember, kids, you can go into your local comic store and find shiny comics any day of the week. That is not true. <laughs> sure. I mean, it kind of is true. Look at this. This cover, it does shine a little bit. It's classy. It's classy. See? You see the, the light shining? I can't tell if he's saying Clausen, like the pickles, <laughs> classy in his strawy way, or glossy. Glossy. <laughs> Fair enough. All, All right. right. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's send you back to Ben, whatever he's doing in New York. You can listen to his shenanigans. Hopefully they're more entertaining than our shenanigans. Uh, until then... We wish you a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous-er week. We thank you for listening. We'll chat with you again in seven days. And as always, I apologize for the Wolfman. Questions and comments. Questions and comments. Questions and comments from you. All right, guys. We have reached the uh, time in the episode where we get to your questions and comments. Uh, me and Josh are going to try to answer them as best we can. Um, here we go. Or, well, to let you guys know first, if you want to get in touch with us, use the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel, not Twim, not TwimURC for normal questions. ThisWeekInMarvel. Spell the whole thing out. You can also email us at TwimPodcast at Marvel.com. We will read those emails a little later. We start with Con Hippie, who says, Wait, H&M, did I hear Dreadnoughts from G.I. Joe? Dreadnoughts, sir. I'm going to give Ryan the benefit of the doubt and say he knows how to pronounce dreadnoughts, so I think you probably heard it wrong. Uh, Monkey Wrench and I have the same birthday this week in Marvel 241. Congratulations to you and Monkey Wrench. Happy birthday. This next one's for you, Josh. It's from uh, Joshua Cooper. It says, Our name is Josh, for we are Legion. Is that a reference to the new upcoming TV show? No, but good, uh, good dig there. I think he's more saying that you're all part of some big hive mind that can... Mm. 
wield incredible influence. Keep rocking on, other Josh. <laughs> Kyle Charles, Johnny Timpulse. One issue in, and I think I'm team Captain Marvel, but I can see that changing. Uh, very interested, Johnny. Check back in and let us know if issue number two and all the stuff that Iron Man had to say affected your allegiance. Whatever happened to the new Blade comic book series with his daughter, or did I dream that? We've actually talked about this uh, in recent episodes that that is still coming. It's not doesn't have a set release date yet uh they're doing some tweaking with it but it's still definitely planned and it's going to be awesome uh all new wolverine number nine a huge bombshell color me interested very cool it's so good to see hercules back even if it's just a mini series well if you guys all buy the mini series maybe you'll see him on a more regular basis i love how herc's phone is full of gods from other cultures hercules is so awesome that he is that he is uh, Agent, to Agent M, when I'm ill, I'll watch G.I. Joe the movie and Transformers the movie too. Those movies made me a man. The feels. Yeah, those are truly coming-of-age classics. <laughs> Ref Gemlin, call back to episode 239. You're right. Mario's full name is Mario Mario. Thank you. I know it's true. Uh, if you encounter D. Lee over in our legal department, please let her know <laughs> that that is the case. Uh, D. Lizzle on Twitter. Just, just drop that on her. Uh, ben J. Morris, you're not wrong. Crystal does have a stupid haircut now. Plus, what is that black line circle thing anyway? Uh, if Ryan's away, I don't even need to talk about Crystal. I, we had an issue of All New and Humans this week. Crystal wasn't in it. It was fantastic. It was the best issue of the series so far. I hate Crystal. She's my least favorite character. Josh. Harsh. It's not harsh. <laughs> she, she's terrible. Um, thanks to Brian Michael Bendis on This Week in Marvel, episode 239.5. I am now doomed to always read House of M as House of Mmm. <laughs> Big thanks to the crew of This Week in Marvel for episode 239.5 with Brian Michael Bendis. A great interview discussion that was a joy to listen to. Thank you. It was a joy for us to record it. I love talking to Brian. Raph A.V., in the Captain America free comic book day issue, we got a panel with three senators, one with hands on his ears, one with a hand on his mouth, and third with hands on his eyes. Intentional Nick Spencer? Knowing Nick Spencer, I'm going to guess that it probably was. Um, last tweet comes from Scott McElroy, who says, Twim of the Week is Howard the Duck number eight, the return of Beverly Switzer. All the wonderful written, wonderfully written awkward feelings of talking to an old girlfriend perfectly encapsulated in just 20 pages. That was a great issue. All right, guys, we got a couple emails, so let's check these out. We got one from Steve Lee, who says, Hi, guys. When you review new books, you always use titles to describe people involved. Okay, so let's get into our emails. We got one from Connor Becker, who says, Hello, Connor Becker here first. It's okay if you wish to sum this up when you read. No, I'll read the whole thing. I don't know if you remember me, but I was the guy who asked if there has been a team-up book of Black Bolt, Daredevil, and a Deaf Hawkeye. Now, I have been a long-time listener. I discovered you guys about a year ago, and I had to start from the beginning, and I enjoyed every one. I really like the wrestling talk, too. Now my favorite Marvel character is Ted Salas, Man-Thing, and I have a few questions about him. Answer this one too. All right, guys, uh, thank you for sending all your questions and comments. Next week, we're going to be back with me and Ryan, and we're going to do Twim URC. We're going to do the Unlimited Reading Club on X Factor versus Apocalypse. Hopefully, you guys have been reading. Josh, have you been reading? Uh, will be. Yeah, that's, that's right, you will be. Josh, thank you for all your help this week. Uh, guys, thanks for bearing with us as Ryan's travel schedule has been insane, but we will not miss an episode. We will keep this going, and hopefully uh, you dug some of the comics I reviewed. This is Marvel, your universe. Marvel.